0: The domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In 14, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. It seems to be connecting redemption specifically with forgiveness of sins, as if they're the same thing or directly related, mm-hmm. which would undermine the idea of we're being redeemed yeah. from Satan's power in terms of we it means owed him, uh, tied directly to forgiveness of sin. But like Dave said, there is a connection there as well, where we are under Satan's sway. And so forgiveness of sin is actually what breaks the power that Satan has over us. It's not that's entirely off the mark. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, and you, I think you guys would have probably seen that really, uh, you know, Satan is so crafty, or even just any kind of wrong theology is almost always a mixture of mostly things that are mostly true. And so oftentimes it's trying to parse out what is it specifically that's wrong instead of saying, oh, that everything you said is wrong. Well, Usually, those are the most obvious things to reject. Are the yeah. things that are blatantly false.
2: Yeah. So, that, yeah. I was just going to read Second, uh, First Hebrews. First Hebrews. <laughs> <two. laughs> I know it's going to be a rough day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery and so i think it's oh, yeah. he doesn't appease the devil he destroys the devil yeah he destroys his power you know, so that's not a ransom mm-hmm. i mean that would not be a good deal for the devil but there is a connection between how the devil uses the fear of death to subject us to mm-hmm. slavery so yeah. there is a control that satan is forced to relinquish because of the mm-hmm. atonement and so I think the ransom theory is right insofar that it says that we're released from the control of Satan through the fear of yeah. death, that it's by basically destroying his power, not by appeasing his.
1: Right. And I think what you're that verse specifically, it, it it shows that the the ransom theory is getting a lot of a lot of what Christ did, but not all. It doesn't really get all yeah. of what He did. Right. It's it's addressing part of what He did.
3: Add. Just in terms of like where we encountered it, um, I went to UCLA, and so I was just around a lot of people with more of an Eastern background. Mm-hmm. Zoroastrianism is one of the most ancient of all religions, mm-hmm. and it has this dualism. There's like this eternal battle between good and evil, and so every society that's been kind of influenced by that tends to see that there's this good and there's this evil, mm-hmm. and it's almost like they're evil and opposite forces. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, and good right. prevails in the end, even in that, um, even in that. Haven't set up that mm-hmm. religion. But um, what I think it does is it ends up giving in our minds too much power to Satan.
4: Yeah.
3: Right? That yeah. God has to make bargains with him, God has to appease him, God's mm-hmm. dealing with Satan mm-hmm. um, to win our souls.
4: Yeah.
3: And I mean I think as with so many things, it just it takes God out of out of center stage and yeah. puts someone else there. Right. Um but yeah, I mean I've definitely argued with people over those issues about what why are they damned mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. because of satan's power over them or is it because right. of their continued choice to reject christ mm-hmm. sin? Mm-hmm. um and so in that sense a lot of people i think who are in that almost fatalistically in that camp they see that it's satan has a power over me or you know god hasn't broken through mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the that's giving way too much power to Satan. yeah
5: yeah
1: I think we, when you are mentioning that, I mean, it reminds me a lot of, like, a lot of times when people ask questions or, about the gospel or they pose, you know, they, they're making objections to, to the gospel. Um, it's very hard for, for them, and it's very hard to present or for them to conceive of a God who simultaneously has wrath yep. on these children who, who are in sin and also loves them. So usually the setup is it's, he's one or the other. And so they're missing. Mm-hmm. There has to be an explanation. It has to be an explanation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God, if you know, so it doesn't make sense to them. Well, if God loved us, why would he do this? Right. Or if God is wrath, then why? Right. And so there's that element of the who God is that is, it's very hard for our minds to accept and believe those, those at the same time. So let's, let's transition to um, this one is a little bit different called the moral influence theory. So it's you know, halfway between now and maybe the the, the crucifixion, it's in around a thousand or eleven 1, hundred. Taught by Peter I'll call him Abelard, a French theologian, and it teaches that God did not require a payment for sin. He can freely overlook it. Rather Christ's death was simply a way in which God showed how much love he had for human beings by identifying with their sufferings, even death. Such a display of love will move the heart of the hardened sinner to repent. Okay, so think about elements of truth. They say, this says that again, why did he die? It showed how much love he had for human beings by identifying with their sufferings, even our death. So can you think of scriptures that might support that idea is something about.
0: God so loved the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. It shows that the motivation was love.
2: Think about the upper room discourse where he washes the disciples' feet and um, he humiliates himself to serve them so that they might serve others.
1: And, and yeah, shows, I've shown you mm-hmm. what love is, he says there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Romans 5 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us.
1: So it, was, it's a demonstra- it is a demonstration. So it is, it's, it's right in a lot of ways. You think about Hebrews, um, where it's talking about identifying with our sufferings, right? So we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. So it gets a lot of those things right. Um, is it, this is a classic Dave illustration, right? Yes. He's standing by the, we're having an argument on the banks of the rushing river. You're still upset. When conceiver not reconciles. I jump into the dangerous rapids while you're safe and say, look how much I love you. Yeah. What do you think Would that?
4: That's a fan fiction loving bad relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe be more puzzled, than
5: Yes.
1: <laughs> it always
3: seems a little bit manipulative. Like, because I did this, now you have to love
1: me. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm going to show you what my love is like, really. You just look at what's going on.
3: What well, would the, like, the last sentence? We'll move our hearts. Um, isn't it true that only God could soften our hearts?
2: yeah
1: yeah so there is a, that's definitely true as well that um the gospel is something that apart from god moving in our hearts it's not something that we would any of us would would accept or believe so it's definitely there is a movement of our heart through the holy spirit drawing us to christ drawing us to the father i
0: think the, the positive side of this is uh, it would show god identifying with us in our mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. So, so someone who's a, a slave or in prison mm-hmm. and God takes on the garb of a prisoner or a mm-hmm. slave mm-hmm. Uh, or people living in abject poverty and God mm-hmm. lives in abject poverty and He dies of malnutrition. Yeah. There's a sense of deep identification with us but it doesn't actually solve the problem that caused the slavery, imprisonment, right. malnourishment. So in that sense there's a, a beauty and a power that's true. Jesus does identify with us in our suffering in the deepest possible way. And, that's, and that element, I think this is, this is very, very true. Mm-hmm. But if that's all he does, then mm-hmm. it's sort of a worthless effort because it not mm-hmm. actually solved the problem. So why are we malnourished? Mal- yeah. Why are we enslaved? Why are we in prison? Mm-hmm. Why are we suffering injustice?
1: Almost like a martyr. Like they, they went through, they died exp- along with that suffering and created in, even though it didn't solve.
0: Yeah. Although martyr-like is trying to accomplish something, That's That's what I, true. I, and this view actually I think is one of the primary views today. Yes, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With with my peers, mm-hmm. including believers who are increasingly walking away from the traditional view, mm-hmm. this idea of, of Jesus modeling sacrificial love on the cross it's a, it's a, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't like the idea of him paying the price for sin, and so they're left with a, a dying God on the cross. But the question is, but mm-hmm. but what do you accomplish? Mm-hmm. And what it's like what it accomplishes is, I really love you and I understand you, mm-hmm. but we're still trapped in the exact same world. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't fix anything. It just means that our God suffers with us, and that's nice, but we're in the same spot. Yeah.
1: You guys, can you, can you finish the lyric? Uh, Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. God was satisfied. So... There have been multiple. That was uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. We do a lot of their songs, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been multiple people who have. Sometimes, when you sing a song and you want to make edits, changes. I don't. I don't like this verse, or I want to do this. They'll request, and so many have. There have been many requests to take that part out. Till the, the wrath of God was satisfied, and so they've. You know they've. As clearly they said, no. That that's a. Part of the song—that's a key part.
3: They say the love of God is magnified, so they want to. Something, yeah. Several of those, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It's also, kind of like we talk about, it like, oh, he identifies with our suffering, but just before it, he said he can just forgive injustice. Mm-hmm. And if I'm suffering at the hand of someone who's mm-hmm. unjust, like that's not comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it might be good for me, but also like they're doing to this to me, and they're gonna. Right.
1: Yeah, that brings up kinda gets to that heart of like what's what's missing. If a lot of this is so true, what is missing? So one, it it, it it doesn't solve our problem of suffering and two, right, it's great if he can freely overlook our sin, but like looking at it in terms of being the victim of someone who is sinning. Um, and even God Himself, um, is the one who's being sinned against, it leaves out any sort of just justice or punishment. Sin just overlooked. Evil is just allowed, no punishment, no wrath poured out, and so that's a big, big part of what's missing. Maybe
0: so, like this idea, when we're the primary, when we're the primary, I don't know, aggressors, we know we're, we're kind of sinners, but when you're deeply victimized, like throughout the world, this doesn't bring a lot of hope. That's a good point. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: it's just, it's almost like. Um, Christ is exemplifying being on the. Just the oppressors are going to continue to oppress, and the ones in power are going to continue to, to commit evil and injustice.
3: So what's interesting is, and someone who um, was evangelical and became actually like uh, Russian Orthodox, basically Orthodox, mm-hmm. and her idea of the atonement and what Christ died for changed to this idea. Um, And so her notion is that all of us, our process of sanctification is that we all need to embrace suffering in this world. And because that's how Christ Mm -hmm. showed the ultimate purity. And Mm -hmm. so we're all seeking this purity and the sanctification through suffering. Um, But the issue of like, how is our sin atoned for? It's it's an open question still. And that's what somebody was challenging her with was like, well, then who pays for our sin? And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's not the problem. The problem is that Christ wants us to all learn to be like him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just, just, it leads to this very confusing, muddled idea Mm -hmm. of what is wrong with us, Mm -hmm. what's wrong with the world, and how do we solve that problem?
4: Mm -hmm. Very similar thing.
1: One of the things that a lot of times we were I was talking recently, um, was it the family or, or maybe a friend about sometimes those questions kind of reveal something underneath? And so, like what you're saying, if our goal like is to become like Christ in his suffering, that it almost is like the purpose of Christ, like why he came, he came to suffer, like that was the yes. end, yes, right? Yes, and our ends is just let's suffer, yep. that's what God wants. And so that purpose of the suffering, like, does it accomplish something, right? Mm-hmm. What did it accomplish? That's kind of what's where those two, there's a big, big, big difference. Yeah.
2: Like if you want to morally influence other people, then you do it by suffering.
1: Right, right. And so we suffer- want...
2: Yeah, suffer- and suffering for the Lord is redemptive, but suffering is not necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Heaven will be a place where there's the absence of suffering. Hell is bad because there's eternal suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so suffering is something that is an intruder. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like it's. It's, it's righteous to pay mm-hmm. a price, but yeah, do you know what I'm saying so. Yeah, you don't want to valorize suffering. Yeah, I would, I would think I would say that it's more self. of
1: God uses sufferings as a means to accomplish yeah. something rather than an end in itself. Yeah, for our walk and for Christ. Christ, Christ. It was not the end of His goal to just come and suffer. I want. To, that's what I want to accomplish. I want to come and suffer. That was something that he. When we look at the cross in his prayer, right? If it's possible, what? Let the cut pass, right? If uh, he wants something to happen, if there's another way to do it, let's do that, right? His goal wasn't, okay, I've the my I, only thing I've desired has been to suffer and to die on the cross, right? So there's a difference there in how we view suffering. Is is it the end or is it just a means to accomplish something? As we. Christ's
3: And I think it also has to do with how we view grace too, because mm-hmm. I had a really similar conversation with uh, about this with a girl from my hall. You know, we were talking about like what does Jesus' death really mean, and she had the same view as this. Like it's basically his way of empathizing with their sufferings, showing that he loved us. And so we got into this conversation. All right, what is the difference between love and grace? Loving is being with someone in suffering. Grace is taking something from someone on yourself mm-hmm. that they actually deserved. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty key tenant of Christianity mm-hmm. that gets really blown over when you mm-hmm. just think it's all love. But yeah. Why does she want this view? Because she wants to live the way she's living mm-hmm. without having to ever pay consequences.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, many times as we get and have those conversations, a lot of times there's some questioning that needs to happen when we are starting to identify maybe if they've had some experience or have heard elements of the gospel before. What is it that they really think happened at, at the cross? Why did Jesus die? Because those, sometimes those misunderstandings can have them, like sometimes we might use this, the language of Christ died for our sins and he was raised, and they, they're thinking that something totally different mm-hmm. is happening or taking place. Mm-hmm. So there's some digging sometimes that, that needs to happen to figure out what it is. It, and we want to make sure that we can really explain what, what actually did happen, because that is the good news, that is the gospel. So a really similar one to this i would say is between the moral influence is the example theory that's about 500 years um later a little bit more recent italian faustus Uh, this view teaches that god did not require payment for sin so it's very similar to the moral influence theory christ's death provides an example of how we should trust god and obey god even if it costs us our lives Whereas the moral influence theory points to the love of God, this theory teaches that Christ's death is instructive on how we should live. So it's just a, it, there's, there's a different angle in which it's not really, demonst- not necessarily the demonstration aspect, but it's more like the application of this is the way we ought to live our lives. We ought to lay down our life in sacrifice for others, right? How we should obey God, even if it costs us our lives. Okay? And, the two. I like these, these two scenarios where we're he's kind of working through. You've got the fireman, right? He faithfully serves the city, he's a great example. Sees the house on fire. The parents are overcome with smoke. They get out of the house. The mother screams as her little baby's inside. The fireman rushes in, saves the baby, but in the process, he suffers many burns and he dies after he's brought the baby up, okay? Versus scenario two, same fireman, right? Shows up at the same scene, the family, this time, the family all made it out. But in spite of this, the fireman rushes into the house <laughs> and dies from burns and smoke inhalation.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, what's like the him. point?
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, why did he go in there? I'm going to be a hero whether there's anybody in trouble or not. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, something, it, it's interesting because like, in my mind, right, in all of our minds, if the family's all out and you say you ask why do you go in, instantly something pops in your mind. He went in to get this, right, to save the family photo album or to get the dog, or right. There's always a purpose in our mind of right. Why would someone risk their life for something? And so you have to. We have to kind of think. And it's kind of a comical example, but why why would this maybe appeal? What is the appeal? That would be a real draw to why someone would kind of view that the death, Christ's death on the cross, is meant to be an example of how we should live our lives. I mean, can you think of some some ways in which? Because there's got to be some some truth to this, right? He talks
2: about it in First Peter about how Christ's suffering is an example for us as we suffer under different governments.
1: Exactly, and he gives it for citizens under government, slaves and masters. He t- talks about suffer in the same way that Christ did. And there's a sense in which, um, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up Mm -hmm. for her. So there is this element where we are called to live a life where we are sacrificing of ourselves for the good of others, laying down our life for other people.
0: So in summary, you have the very beginning, Christ's death provides an example of how we should trust and obey God even if it costs us our lives that sentence is true. Mm -hmm. In that sense, it's very powerful. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to trust and be faithful? Jesus' life and death are an example of what that means to the nth degree. That is the model. So in that sense, Mm -hmm. it's absolutely true. It's just not all that it does. We still have the problem of what do we do with our sin? Mm -hmm. So having sinned, if the wages of sin is death, then trusting and obeying God Mm -hmm. still hasn't doesn't address what we did in the past, mm-hmm. and the stains brought upon us, and the death and slavery we live under.
5: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I wonder if like a real practical trickle down into our circles, and this is kind of, I think, a mashup of, of this idea and, and the previous one, is that there's an embracing of suffering um, to the degree that um, we ignore and we don't wrestle genuinely with in- injustice, and like as we as we try to comfort someone who has suffered, mm-hmm. um, genuinely suffered, mm-hmm. like our our we're, we're quick to affirm the goodness of suffering and the in the way that it reflect in the way that godly suffering reflects right. Jesus. Right. Well, and then um, mm-hmm. and then, but but we don't uphold simultaneously mm-hmm. rage against, yeah. rage yes. against suffering, yeah. um, and so there's sometimes we're, we're quick to like look at Christ our example, mm-hmm. or um, and we need to suffer like Christ did, and this mm-hmm. is good, and then, but then, but someone's like, but, but my well, husband's person, feeding yes. me, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. and so, um, I think Yes. I mean I'm just trying to think like how how do I see this how do I see this in my in yeah. me yeah. in my circles yes mm-hmm. is that I, I think possibly that mm-hmm. we end up talking about suffering mm-hmm. as if it's good when it's suffering like Christ did that's good and then also we in the same breath recognize right. the just the a just God who who holds all into account both me as I am a, an aggressor and yeah. so the one who's yeah. Who, is, who is sinning against me?
1: Do you do you think so? I, I observe something s- similar um, in a way that uh, being in the public school system, um, you know, you're dealing with you know kids that do things that are wrong, and th- what do you do with that? Yeah. Right. And so this could be in a variety of contexts. You could think about government, but it seems like and I, and sometimes I see this in the school systems. Or I think sometimes I see it. And parenting and government, there seems to be almost an aversion to any sort of identifying with it's good and right to punish wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we something in our flesh just really rejects rejects that. You know, part of me thinks it's just anytime that there's punishment mm-hmm. of sin, it reminds me of the punishment that I am due uh-uh. rightly. And so if I if I want to reject that, I have to kind of hold it at bay yeah. in all those areas. So there's definitely, very rarely do, do we see either parents with their kids or you know, administrators with their students or law enforcement fully, rightly say this is a good and right thing to punish and bring judgment upon this evil doing, mm-hmm. right? We, we very much err on focus or maybe imbalance mm-hmm. those two things.
3: Wouldn't this also sit really well with how we talked about, I think maybe last week, the groups that want to take the divinity out of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, because if mm-hmm. they see him as the, the moral example, you know, because we also said that, you know, there's mm-hmm. so much historical evidence that it's hard for somebody to deny Christ. Yeah. But if they can take the divinity out of them and see him just as an example, as a good mm-hmm. way to live, mm-hmm. then it can fit
4: their current yeah, very religion or their current so. belief yeah. or
3: framework.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It also you know, when you take the the divinity away, it it, it many people question what, what does that accomplish anyway, right? What does this man, if he was just a man dying on the cross, what would that what would that accomplish in a sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it does many of the things that these views teach are accurate in their true in sense that they, they address part of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And it does give us an example and it does demonstrate God's love.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to know that the example theory, socianism, as they call it, is associated with uh, uh, universalism.
4: Hmm.
2: Same thing with the influence theory and even the governmental theory. Um, because there's a, at, at its core, it strips the wrath of God away from him. He's a loving God. And so, if you're queasy with the idea of God's wrath and sending people to hell, mm-hmm. then how do you how do you explain what happened on the cross and mm-hmm. the suffering, which is the center of the Christian religion? I mean, the cross is mm-hmm. the number one symbol. So, this is a way, of, kind of a workaround, um, to explain it. And so I it is, yeah. So it's this is what you'd find with liberal Christianity. I think that was a great point mm-hmm. that. Uh, with no divinity I mean how much power can one man's suffering have mm-hmm. yeah. could be nothing more than an example yeah.
1: do you think um, so I think we've been focusing a lot on these theories how they they leave out um, the wrath of God in, in the Christ's work on the cross and so they're kind of imbalanced in the sense that the cross it, it satisfies God's wrath but also does show his and magnify his great love for us have you had? Do you have any experience with um, any groups, churches, or people where they are they're imbalanced in the other sense, to where they focus on God's wrath in excess of? Um, I used to live in Topeka, yeah. Right, and with graduations coming up, oftentimes there's the I don't know what the name of it that it used to be Fred Phelps, yeah. Right, that would just do all these protests, and it was really the. The main message was about God's hatred of sin and sinners. It's kind of the number one message, and so that, that's just something that comes to mind. Where it, I don't, I think when you remember, we, it's not that just we're, we can't, we can get it wrong on both, both sides in a sense. Of, we can get the cross and the atonement wrong on in both senses, where we leave out the wrath or we leave out the love and, that God has displayed in us.
0: I think, even some of my own training in the past, because there's want to be a rejection of example theory in these things, um, there can actually be that, what's the word? Balance? Disbalance, unbalance, lack of balance. (laughs) Imbalance, thank you. Uh, Where there's talk about the wrath and substitutionary atonement, uh, but by minimizing some of the truer elements of these other things, you don't get the fuller picture of what Jesus is doing. Mm -hmm. And in in that sense, we. There's a, a maybe a lack at times. It's almost like Jesus came and he, he, if he had just died, risen from the dead, and the rest of his life didn't ever happen, it wouldn't matter. Uh, right. But it does matter. Yeah. And I think some of these other truer elements of, of these other pieces help explain why it mattered yeah. in terms of him identifying with us, him loving us. It, it wasn't just, you know, showed up as a man, died, rose from dead, holding to three days solid. You know, <laughs> super <Right>. efficient, salvation. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, and I think that's it's. It's a good example of something like the
1: I think it can be systemic in um, just a, a problem when we when we're evaluating and thinking through theological positions, is that we it can be tough to realize that almost every position has elements that we should affirm, and we often want to say they're wrong and we just chuck the whole thing out, right? Yeah. And so realizing that there's a huge overlap for many of these positions and that when you reject part of it it doesn't mean that we have to reject the whole thing and sometimes we want to simultaneously affirm the part and reject so sometimes in conversation that could be a great place to say you know you are so right about this 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 and this and let's talk maybe talk about this part or maybe I think that you're maybe off right let's look at the scriptures you know why do you think that and if you sometimes that's that's a great way to like draw both parties into the scriptures to say why do we believe this yes we believe this because this verse says it. yes we believe it because this and really draw people in and even in our own study it's okay if you've gotten a lot if you've read a certain book or listened to a certain preacher and they've really taught and really informed and really helped you grow but there's going to be times where that particular person or that particular church or whatever is going to teach something right none of us are 100% perfect right most people say you know I've got wrong spots in my theology I would change them if I knew what they were Mm -hmm. right but I I know that there has to be something there I
2: also think it's important to understand that for false teaching to take hold um, it has to be about 90% true for anybody to buy it yeah so, you can kind of just inject a little bit of poison. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody would eat straight manure. But if you were to mix it into a brownie, it would be more tempting for people. That's
0: a good example. Is there a story behind that, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Kansas story. Specific illustration. <laughs>
2: Never brownies at your house. <laughs>
1: Okay. Let's <laughs> I'm, I'm transition. <laughs> Don't dignify it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, well let's let's maybe wrap up. There's there's one last one here um, before we get to uh, the penal substitutionary uh, theory, but the governmental theory uh, taught by Hugo Grotius Grotius. This view states like in some ways the others, God did not require payment for sins. Yeah, since he's omnipotent, he could simply set aside the requirement and pay uh, to pay for the penalty. Oh, um, but God wanted to show mankind that breaking God's law is not a life matter. Thus the Father made an example of the Son by sending him to die on the cross for sin. So there's an element in which you know, yeah. God did choose to show that there's a penalty for sin, so there, it, it, it's different a little bit than some of these other ways.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: So, when, this question: What other options would God have at His disposal to understand that His law must be kept? The one that came—the first one that came to my mind was: Well, we could all die. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this fear is just like, yeah, no, I'm not cool with this. Mm-hmm. And it certainly made an example out of them because the Bible says that, like, the entire community was in awe and fear mm-hmm. for God, and that they, you know, mm-hmm. that there was a change. And so God wanted to, he, he could just strike us down. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: And he has, right? Yeah. And he did. We have the earth swallowing up in the Old Testament, right? We will see who is of, of the Lord, you know, present yourself. So, you know, there is this element in which when God does display his wrath, it is a great example. Right? Yeah. It's an
5: interesting way to display his wrath in a perfect man, though. Okay. It's kind
1: of a problem, but uh-huh. it's like, I don't know why you would show your, and as an example, like, mm-hmm. sacrificing this perfect
2: man. Right.
3: Because right. those Maybe. are all punishing guilty people right. for breaking the law. Right. So this seems Christ never effective. broke the law. So yeah. why? Right. It's like, oh,
1: okay, if I'll be like Christ, oh, well, that's a really bad yeah. punishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Actually, feels right. really good <laughs> so, Let's see. <laughs> it's kind of a confusing message. It is.
4: And I think there's a difference between Jesus atoning for our sins and Jesus taking the responsibility for our sins. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is dying on the cross atones for what we've done, but that doesn't mean that he's taking the blame for what we've mm-hmm. done, whereas this seems to indicate to me that somehow God is saying is holding Jesus, or God you know, God the Father is holding God the Son accountable for our sins, which I think are two very different
1: things. Yeah. So it's getting at that mystery of how he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Right? So that we might be the righteousness of God. And so that's all kind of saying that. And so when you think back and look through these, it's not that we would say that any of these theories are just, wrong 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 right they're all mostly right mostly right mostly right but they all miss leave out don't have the full picture and in many ways like as joshua kept bringing up it they don't actually solve the main problem of man the separation between us and god because of our sin they don't actually appease god's wrath so there's many things that they they kind of don't fully address and for you know different reasons, theologians and people throughout time have chosen different views because it allows them to live or have certain beliefs about themselves or about God that go against what's revealed in Scripture, that what Jesus revealed about who the Father is and what the Son accomplished. I think this is a good place to stop. So We might just kind of come back to these a little bit, but next time we'll talk with uh, number five here, and we'll pick up there. So I'll close this in prayer, and we'll continue our morning. Lord, as we talk together, it's really encouraging uh, to talk through how many of these theories of the atonement and what your work on the cross—they point to very true and very wonderful, just many great things that you did accomplish the ways in which you demonstrated your love for us, the ways in which you identified with us, sharing in our weaknesses, the way in which your coming to this world um, did ransom us, right? It did break the power of Satan. And so I pray that as we go, that we would not necessarily... um, neglect or leave out aspects of what you did on the cross, but that you would expand and broaden our understanding of all that you accomplished, and so that we might leave with a a full view of your great grace and love and justice, all that were displayed on the cross and what you did truly accomplish. I pray that in doing so, you'd equip us and empower us and give us a great passion to know what good news we have to share with those who are suffering, who are estranged from you, who are enemies, who are lost in their sin, who have all the things that we had when we are separated from you that can be atoned for through your work on the cross. I pray that you help us to continue to worship you this morning and that your Holy Spirit would continue to make us into your image and that your kingdom might continue to grow.
2: In your name, amen.